0: Amen. Y'all good? All right, I wanted to pray for you guys before I start. $10 on, my, on my thing. I get the thing. Oh, <laughs> wherever it is, I thought I was going to take it. <laughs> not leave that money laying around. Uh, anybody here got prayers that they feel need to be answered and have been held up on? Raise your hand. All right, won't you stand up? I'm going to pray for you. Here's what the Lord was showing me this morning. The Lord showed me a, a specific prayer to pray about something that's real important. Uh, last week, and uh, or maybe a couple of weeks, when he, and I started praying it, and I, in my dreams last night, um, I was praying this prayer, and there was no answer from heaven. And then the uh, enemy in the dream, which it began to speak to me about how God just wasn't going to answer my prayers, and um, I got really discouraged in the dream, and, you know, he's, Get into this striving thing. You know how what you do when you need the Lord to do something you can't do. Anyways, uh, I woke up in a bad mood. I mean, just discouraged in my heart, and really realized it was the, you know, it's not the Lord. The Lord wants to answer our prayers, and if we are praying according to the will of God, which we can we can easily know that, um, God will answer those prayers, and it may be a delay or whatever. But I feel like there's an oppression that comes on people. When we don't get our prayers answered, and we start believing bad things about God, because the devil tells you this. This is what he tells you: that God, God's not going to answer your prayers. You're not good enough, or you're aban- you know, get that spirit of abandonment gets on you again, and you just and it, what it does is it, just, it suppresses you spiritually, and you quit believing the right things. You start believing wrong. That's what happens. And when you start believing wrong, you can't really receive from God because your whole belief system is is off. And what God wants to do is He wants to break the negative belief off of people and begin to believe what the Lord has said, believe what the Bible has said. Amen? So we can really receive from the Lord what He has for us. So, Father, right now I come against this oppressive spirit that really wants to do the same thing that is done right back in the very garden of God to claim that you're a hard God, that you're a difficult God, that you really don't have a love and compassion for us and that you're not really interested in our lives. And Father, I just come against that lie right now in Jesus' name and break that over people right now, Lord. Just loose them. Loose them in Jesus' name. Just break your commission, you enemy of the gospel. Just break your commission over these minds right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just release that spirit of adoption into our minds this morning. Just the renewed mind to come to begin to believe right and begin to, for the faith to get released that faith would get released in this room right now as we begin to ask you for things, Father, that are important, that you, want to, that you desire, that you've put in our hearts, that you have called us to into prayer for. I ask you, Lord, to help every person in this room who's struggling in those particular areas. Lord, I pray for new strategies in prayer, new faith, new courage, new boldness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, also... Has anybody in here doesn't have a copy of this or haven't, hasn't read it would like to? We haven't got any more? Oh, <laughs> we'll make some more. But I really want you to read this book if you haven't. It. It's on the website. Yeah, yes, That's right. Because one of the things in this book, it says that, that uh, Jesus said, speaking of the Father's house, my house shall be a, called a house of prayer for all people. And the Lord would not ask us to pray... And not answer them. Right? I mean, it would be ridiculous for him to say, well, my house is going to be a place of prayer, and him not answer the prayers that's coming from his house. And God really wants to release an anointing for prayer, I believe. A real anointing for prayer, where we pray prayers that really shake heaven. And really what God really wants to do is he wants us to really literally go into heaven with our prayers and bring out of heaven the things that we need to this earth. You know, it's the Lord's Prayer. You know, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God's calling on people who begin to believe that, but the enemy is going to tell you that's not true. He's going, he's, and, and you've got to really fight that unbelief. You hear what I'm saying to you? You've got to fight that unbelief. In other words, if you need a job this morning, that job is in heaven with Christ. And what you've got to do is bring that job out of heaven to the to the natural realm. It's it's there for you spiritually first. And once it's if it's there spiritually, once you can pull pull that out of heaven and bring it into this natural world, and God's called us to do that. Just like Christ came, He came as a man. He came from heaven, right? Are y'all with me on that? Yeah. So that's, that's what we got to get with. Now I want to give you a message this morning that I had hoped to give you before Easter because it's sort of a a pre-Easter message, but I really couldn't get it until this past week. So, and the reason I really feel like the Lord really brought it home to me was was what happened at Virginia Tech. It's really, when that happened, I just really saw why He wouldn't give me this message a few weeks ago. And it is a message on prayer. If you remember, uh, a few weeks ago I preached a message on soaking prayer. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? Soaking or contemplative prayer. And I really want to ask you a question. I know I'm taking a lot of extra time here. This is all. But how many people in here can honestly say that you on some level have practiced soaking prayer? Raise your hand. Good. And I encourage all of us to do that. You can, you, you can do it in five minutes, literally. It doesn't have to be an hour. An hour is nice. Okay, but really all soaking prayer is is getting into a mode of receiving from God in prayer where you're being, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm Lord. And there's a place to get still before God, put just some worship music on, or you don't have to, you know, you may be a person that would distract you, and just lay still or sit still or stand still, be still in the presence of God and allow the Holy Spirit begin to wash into you, wash over you, touch your body, begin to touch your mind, and you'll be surprised at what that does for you. It's really remarkable. It really works. It's not a new prayer. It's a it's a prayer that's been practiced since the early days. Jesus was a big big soaker. The greatest soaker in the Bible, if you remember, was Mary of Bethany. She's always soaking at Jesus' feet. It's, it's powerful. So but at the time I wanted to do another message, the uh, second part of that message was the watching part. Because watching and praying go together. Are y'all good? You know preachers get the thing, and what they got to say is real important sometimes. <laughs> I've concluded that it's not that important. really, it's what the Holy Spirit says that's important. So if we could get a message that lasted thirty minutes, if thirty eight seconds of that message was from the Holy Spirit, you got what you needed. So Lord, I pray for thirty eight seconds, it's straight from the throne. <laughs> that way, you're not important, you know. You, the person saying the message is not, is, is not important. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's important. That's right. And when he speaks, things happen. But when we speak, nothing happens. It says, Jesus, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Matthew 26, verse 36. Gethsemane, remember, means olive press or oil press. And that's what God really has to do. He's pressing the oil into us right now. He's not trying to press it out of us. He's pressing it into us. And said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now this is what happens with us in the world. Sorrow and distress. They are sorrow. That was a very distressful week we've had, this country. Very sorrowful. And so, uh, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, Even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. Everybody say, Watch. Stay here and watch with me. See, the Lord is a watcher. And he's, there's a calling on us to watch and pray with Jesus. You know, and I'll tell you this. I want to tell you this this morning. We, ooh, I just want you to get this. We are responsible for our nation. We are responsible to pray and watch over our nation. And God's looking for a church, a people of God, who will take this seriously for our country. Because our country is going down without us. It really is. We're the salt and light. So I don't want to get too overly exuberant here. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Jesus had a great sense. Many times when we're praying, we can sense the will of God on something. Okay? And, and, And if you really can't sense it, it's probably more of a timing thing. It's not time to sense it yet. You just keep praying in that direction until you begin to get a get more of a sense that it's the, it's the God or not. But I can tell you one thing: you can do. You can pray for your kids. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their deliverance. That's the will of God. Period. Don't ever let the devil tell you it's not, because he'll try to tell you. He'll discourage you about your your family. And then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Everybody say sleeping, and said to Peter, "What?" <laughs> Can you imagine? Jesus said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not watch with me one hour? That's what he he was asking. Uh, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So you see, the watching and the prayer is a way of staying out of uh, of temptation. Okay? Because temptation in itself is not sin, but we would like to not have to be tempted. Right? I don't like being tempted. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's sort of the... Sort of the crux of it. Again, the second time he went away and prayed, said, Oh, my Father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. Everybody say asleep. For their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? And I think that's what the Lord wants to ask us, that question right there. Are you still sleeping and resting? Okay? Behold the hours at hand and the Son of Man is be, being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So we see in Jesus' critical moment in his life on this earth, the most, one of the most critical moments that it ever really existed, one of the, most, the worst moments in one sense, but one of the greatest moments in another sense. His closest three picked companions, the people he was closest to just completely. Disconnected, just completely was, were not a, with it. They were asleep. They were sleeping at the wheel, so to speak. So um, what we, I want to talk to you about is being spiritually asleep, okay? And I, and, and I want to give you a definition first about this word watching, okay? What, watch, when Jesus says watch and pray, this, this is a biblical definition of watching. It means to be awake and aware of surrounding realities to be awake and aware of surrounding realities. In the Scripture, it means to be spiritually alert, having a mind that is renewed by divine realities. Spiritually alert with a mind that's renewed by divine realities. So really, the church of all people should be keenly aware of what's happening to us in our country. Okay? And wouldn't it have been awesome if there would have been some believers there, which I'm sure there were believers there, that would have saw this boy instead of thinking this boy who killed all these people it was just some, some nut, just a messed up person, they could have saw really what was happening. They would have been a spiritually alert to see this guy's fixing to do something tragic and, and was able to stop him somehow. And really, God's calling us to that. We may think that's ridiculous, but why wouldn't we be? If we're called to be the guardians of our nation... Why wouldn't God give us that level of insight in revelation and revelation in the spirit realm? To be able to understand the times and know what to do. There's another way of saying it. Sons of Issachar. To be able to see. no, this is not good what's happening to this person. Everybody thought he was just a bad guy. They had him arrest him, put him on pills. You know, and, and medicine's not bad, but I'm saying spiritually this boy was fixing to be, you know, hell was fixing to take over him. And, and, and no one really could really see it or, so the Lord really wants us to, to, to be able to wake up. It's really what the Lord wants us to be able to do. Now, let me just read Matthew 25, 1 through 13, and talk to you about sleeping spiritually. Okay, that's what I really want to talk to you about. You know, watching is being awake and alert. And I want to talk to you about how we are asleep. Everybody in this room, I don't care who you are, according to what I'm fixing to read, you on some levels are sleeping spiritually. And this is dangerous. Okay? Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like And everybody knows, to the ten virgins, no, there's, the virgins is the, is the believers, okay? It's us, the church, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And the bridegroom is the Lord. They were out to meet the Lord. They were moving towards God. Something was happening. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. So you see there's There's these Christians who the Bible calls foolish. They have some oil. They got some Holy Ghost in them. They got some Holy Ghost activity in their life, but it's only a little bit. In other words, they're not, in one sense, they're not current with God. They're not current with what God's doing today. They're back, you know, they were, you know, let me use a bad example. They were current in the 90s, you know. They were current in the 90s. God was moving in the 90s. They were with what God was doing then, but it's 2007. You know? It's 2007. So their oil has all been pretty much burned out, and they didn't keep getting filled and filled, keep getting letting the Holy Spirit really press into them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. In other words, the wise was they were there with the Lord. They were in with what God was doing right now today. They were going forward in God. They were, they were not nominal Christians. These were the Christians who were really on fire for God and really going after the Lord. But while the bridegroom delayed... Everybody say, delayed. delayed. See, the Lord does delay. The Lord really is a difficult character when it comes to timing and stuff. He's inconvenient. He delays when you don't want Him to. He shows up at the worst moments in life. You know, He's inconvenient. I mean, that's just the way God is. If you're gonna walk with God, you're gonna to have to get rid of the one thing. If He doesn't show up when you want Him to, and He always seems to show up, let's watch said, You bring your you bring your grandma to church, you know. God, Lord, please let those crazy people be calm today. You bring your grandma in there they're as wild as they can be, and your know, grandma was a you know she died in the womb Methodist for 90 years and hates wild stuff. And think, dang, on, everything she thinks is proven right. We're crazy. Well, that happens, you know. So that's the way the Lord is. He just seems to take great pleasure, you know, in making us... Is the Lord here? We're, uh, oh, gosh, please don't do that. Lord, don't show up in a restaurant like this. Please don't. <laughs> please talk a little bit quieter. Stop praying so loud. Everybody's looking at us. <laughs> so that's the way it is. But it says, while he was delaying day all... Everybody say all. They all slumbered and slept. So what Jesus is saying is on some level, we are slumbering and sleeping. On some level, you and I, you and I, the most most, uh, on-fire Christian in this church, most on-fire Christians that we know are slumbering and sleeping on some level according to what Jesus is saying here. And at midnight, there he comes showing up at midnight when you're trying to rest, you know, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Now, I want to really say that to you. That's one of the reasons we like to do altar calls. Okay? Because God requires an action on our part. He requires a step on our part, a step towards him. Okay? He always does that. Go read the Bible. Jesus always wanted people to do stuff. Hey, the blind man, Lord, you know, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Shut up. Have mercy on me. Shut up. Get up. Hey, he's saying, come over here to him. You see, we've got to get up and respond to God. When we feel like God's doing it. if you sit there and just keep saying your state, God will leave you in your state. He asked people, come. Meet me here. Meet me. If you will meet me, I will meet you. If you're willing to step forward to me, you can. I promise you, I'll step forward towards you. And we've got to take that kind of attitude. Then all the virgins arose. Every one of them, they jumped up. God, you know, the Holy Ghost is here. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, we're going to trim our lamps. We're, this is an exciting moment in our life. It's what we've dreamed for. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. That's a, a, a dilemma, you know. Their, their, oil, their lamps were going out and they didn't have what they needed at that moment, which really speaks of each one of us. Are, there's going to come a time when it's between us and God. You hear what I'm saying to you? The, the person that you love, the person who's blessed your life, the person who's prayed for you, or your favorite teacher, or your favorite whatever, worship tape, or whatever you, you know, really makes something for you, will fail you at that moment. There, there, every, let me just say this. Everything and everybody is going to fail you. The Lord's designed it that way where we can't give each other what we need, then it's going to be between you and you and Jesus. And that's what He's called us all to right now. That's how you get oil. Between you and the Lord. You get it from Him. He gives it. And right now He's using other people in your life, but there'll come a day when those other people are going to say, I can't help you right now. Hey, He's calling me. I've got to go. I've got to do what He's telling me to do right now. And what He's telling me to do right now doesn't include you, helping you. You're going to have to do with you and God are going to have to do that. So it's best to get that right now. Get that worked out right now. Does that sound hard and mean? It's not. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But the wise answer said, "No, least there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves." And while they went to buy, their bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And. You know, that's hard, kind of hard sounding right there. The door was shut. You know, I don't, want to, I don't like being on the outside looking in. Nobody does. You know, nobody wants to be on the outside like it's uncomfortable. And really the only way to keep from being on the outside looking in is when when the Lord moves, you move with him. You don't set back and calculate and figure out. You just jump in. You've got to jump in. You've got to abandon yourself to God. You've got to quit all this thinking you do. None of that stuff works. It won't get you anywhere. It'll cause you to miss God. I can tell you this from expert testimony. You know, expert testimony is a witness who's been there and seen it and done it. I've done that. When God moves, you jump. You don't think. You worry about the details later. That's how you do it. If you really want God, when He moves, when He acts, you jump into what He's doing. You quit your thinking. Yep. You jump into what He's doing, and then you worry about the, rest of the stuff, other stuff later. It'll all sort out. But if you don't, you'll miss God. Over and over, you'll miss him. The thinking doesn't get you in there. It's trusting. That's what gets you in there. Yeah. Afterwards, the other versions came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Yeah, surely I say to you, I do not know you. Uh, Watch. Watch. Everybody say watch. You know, that's being spiritually alert. Watch, therefore, you don't know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. So that's talking about the very last moments of earth. When the church, when the believers, when the on-fire people should be wide awake, Jesus is saying, no, they were sleeping. Okay, so that's sort of a frightening thought, isn't it? It's a frightening thought to think that you and I in this room right now on some level are asleep spiritually, and that's what I'm saying to you this morning. You and I, on some level, are asleep spiritually. If you say you're not, then you're deceived. You're in pride. Okay? And that's a sure sign. You need to recognize that you're asleep spiritually. Um, so well, I read this thing by Kendall, R.T., about natural sleep that just really brought it home. That's why he talked about three things. Y'all know who R.T. Kendall is, don't you? Total forgiveness man. Um, well, he talked about three things, about natural, natural sleep. Now, I'm talking natural sleep right now. Okay, now this will help you if you'll listen to what I'm telling you. It really will help you. I'll tell you the first one. Number one is you do not know you're asleep until you wake up. You do, has anybody in this room ever went to sleep driving a car on a road? You don't know you're going to sleep, right? Until you wake up. Like, God oh, went to sleep. And you see, there's people. You're see. That's what I'm saying about this sleep thing. It's why it's so deceptive and tricky. You, you can, I can say you're asleep, and you can say, "No, I'm not," but you are. You're asleep. You don't know it because you are asleep. You hear what I'm saying to you. You don't know you're asleep because you are asleep. When the Lord first started moving, and I was sort of confronted certain people in the room about it, I had some people say, "This, but there's nothing wrong with me." That's what they said. There's nothing wrong with me. What do you mean there's something wrong with me? And I would try to convince them, yes, there is something wrong with you. But they couldn't see it about themselves. And I was sort of like missed at I'm like, what the heck is their problem? Now I know what their problem is. They can't because they're asleep. They don't know what's wrong with them because they're not even awake to know. You see what I'm saying to you? Spiritually, they're asleep. They're in a deeper sleep. And they can't know what's wrong with them. So when we tell somebody there's something wrong with them, the Lord's moving. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. They're asleep. Okay? So they don't know it. You know, we were concerned, you know, back last year. We were concerned about the church. Becky and I were, honestly. I mean, we weren't real concerned. but I was more concerned about myself than the church because I sort of felt like this failure. You know, the Lord will let you be a failure. You know that? This is great. Everything you try to do, you can't do, you can't succeed at, and then the Lord does and it works. That's what I really like about the Lord. Is He, every point of failure in your life, He'll succeed there. And it seems like He just loves to do that. Oh, you think you, you tried two years to help that person, Byron? Literally. And you see the Lord touch them two or three times and they're completely helped and you're thinking, that don't make no sense. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does it. But when the Lord started moving, we realized, oh my gosh, we were in much worse shape than we realized. And the reason we were in much worse shape than we realized is because we were asleep. Now, I'm not saying we're fully awake today. I'm I'm telling you, I believe probably I'm I'm as asleep as anybody in this room. There's areas of my life where I'm asleep, and I don't know it. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, please wake me up because I don't know that I'm asleep. I've had several people tell me that. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards said. Y'all remember Jonathan, don't you? Great awakening, man. The task of every generation is to discover in which direction the sovereign Redeemer is moving, then moving in that direction. The task. Of, that's what Henry Black would be experiencing. God, he stole it from Jonathan. <laughs> That's our job, is to find out which direction the Lord's moving and then move in that direction with Him. And the only way you can do it, you've got to have some level of spiritual alertness on you to be able to do that. You can't do that if you're asleep. So I'm telling you, if I've told you you're asleep and you don't think you are, trust me, you're asleep. Okay? You are asleep. I can confidently say that. You need to wake up. Okay? One of the things that that a lot of churches, that happens to a lot of churches is they freeze to death. You know, when people, in a natural, when a person's real cold, that's what your body will do to stay alive. Did you know that? It start, your body starts shutting down, and, and the first sign of death is setting in on a person who's freezing as they start going to sleep. They get real drowsy. And that's why you got to rub them and do all this stuff to keep them awake. Well, that's what's happened to a lot of the church in America. It's just frozen to death. They got cold spiritually. And there's people in this room right here this morning, you are very indifferent and cold spiritually. And it's killing you and you don't even know it. That's the thing. People, when they get like that, they don't know. They're getting drowsy. They don't realize it's, it's not drowsiness. It's death that's on them. Okay? It's death on them. You hear what I'm saying to you? And you don't know that, though. That's, that's the tragedy about it. Spiritually, we don't know it when it's on us. So I'm like, if somebody comes and tells me, Byron, you're, I'm concerned about you. I want to hear what they're saying to me. You hear what I'm saying? I want to hear what they're saying to me. Because I'm at the I'm a, they're saying, I'm asleep and I don't even know it. How can I know it? Because I'm asleep. And God sent somebody to help me. All right, the next thing about sleep, when you're asleep, you do things in your dreams that you would not do if you were wide awake. Right? Anybody ever do some bad stuff in their dreams? I know, Lorena has, I can tell. She's done some mean stuff in her dreams. <laughs> can you imagine Lorena being mean? Well, people do best. stuff. You've, have you had dreams when you woke up like, oh, I'm glad that was just a dream. You know, like you did some crime, something violent. And see, that's what's happening with a lot of you today. That's why you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. It's because you are asleep. Okay? Because you are asleep. Now, here's one of the things that happened to us, okay? I'm just giving you personal testimony. This issue about television shows, okay? When the Lord started moving, we started feeling really convicted about what we watched on television. I mean, real convicted. And a few weeks ago, we went to one of our family members, and they were still watching television. So, and, and I still have a television. I do watch certain things on television. I'm not saying I don't completely. I watch, uh, you know, games. You know, sports things, boxing, you know, that kind of thing in God TV. And then I watch some stuff with Philip when he comes over. Because he likes to watch, uh, this is a great show we watched a few weeks ago, The Ten Most Lethal Weapons in the Last 20 Years. <laughs> that was a great show. I learned a lot about the Ten Most Lethal Weapons. It wasn't a bad show, it was, you know, about military weapons. Real fascinating. There's nothing wrong with. I'm talking about stuff that's not good. I'm talking about stuff that has extramarital affairs in it. Okay, I'm talking about television shows. Yeah, and we are watching that. See, and, and the reason a lot of people watch it and are entertain, entertained by Christians are entertained by it, entertained by it, is because they're asleep, they're dreaming in a sense, and they're letting things go on in their life that they shouldn't be let go on in their life. And some of them even take it a step further. They would never do those things. It's like when we, with the family members, when we got in the car, the first thing I said to Becky is I do not want to go back to watching television. I don't want to go back to watching television like that. I don't want to be watching stuff that's nasty. And I don't want to go to movies that have stuff in it that I don't need to see. And Christians should be it. We should be sensitive about this stuff. And I'm, this is not being legalistic. I'm just saying when we're doing that, we're asleep spiritually. It should offend us because it's destroying our country. And it just, you know, and of course, Jesus doesn't really pr- appreciate it on any level. So, you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say it's some rule you can't watch this. You're going to have to figure it out. But I promise you, when you start waking it up, you're going to figure it out. I don't want to watch this garbage. It's not good for me. Who needs it? You know, let's go outside and, you know, throw knives at a target or something. You know? <laughs> I sound like this real violent person, but. <laughs> But I'm serious. This is what will happen to you. You won't need rules. (laughs) Rules won't matter. It ain't about rules. It's just I don't like this. It don't feel right. It's tearing me down. I would rather be with the Holy Spirit. I would rather have communion with Him. Okay? Because you're dreaming. And some of you in this room, you're living in dream worlds and you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You're watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. You're thinking stuff you shouldn't be thinking all the time. It's not just a temptation. You're living it. And God wants to wake you up and get you out of that world. All right, the third thing is, this is a good one for for certain ones of you, is when we are asleep, we hate the sound of an alarm clock. Right? How many people in this room love the sound of an alarm clock? I mean, just love to hear that thing beeping in your ear in the morning, right? No, you don't love that sound. You hate that sound. Therefore, you hate it when you come to church and you hear messages about God is saying, get in the river, get touched," because that's the alarm clock going off to you. And you, you despise it. Now, that's the truth. God's calling forth the nation. He said, wake up, nation. Wake up. I, you know, 9-11 was an alarm to our nation. And they were ranting and raving about how the church was, it was the church's hour. The week, the Sunday after 9-11, the churches were packed. Two weeks later, there were less people in the church than they were before 9-11. And that went on three or four years after 9-11. The churches went through a slump. But it was a wake-up for our nation, 9-11 was. And now we've had one at Virginia Tech, another alarm for the country. I'm not talking about for the church. God doesn't want to wake us up like that. He's trying to speak to the world out there. But you know what? We've gotten so worldly in the church that he's having to speak to us like that because we refuse to hear the alarm clock that he's setting off spiritually. So he, things like that happen. And it's a tragedy for our nation. It's a wound on our nation. And the Lord really wants to heal our nation. He loves this country as he does all countries. But we're here. We're responsible for this country. And then, you know, as the Lord sends us other places, we have responsibility for whatever God gives us. I loved, I heard Lorena's speech. Of course, she's South American. She's an not. You're not an American citizen, are you? No. But this is what she said the other night at CSM. She said, well, my husband is an American and my child is American. So I have two countries. I have two countries now. I have my country, Argentina, and I have this country. See, she was taking responsibility for what happened and started crying out to the Lord for what happened here last week. And God really wants us to take responsibility for this. But you ain't going to take responsibility if you're sitting there sleeping and dreaming about television shows. If you don't have the fire of God working in your life, God is saying, wake up, guys, come on. You know, I want to bring the river into your life. I want to bring the revival into your life. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to do for you. I'm reaching out to you because I'm going to have a revival in this nation. I'm going to have a revival in churches. I'm going to find churches. If this church don't want it, I'll find another one. But I'm going to find churches where I can build the fire, okay? All across this nation, churches on fire for God, Christians on fire for God. And then there'll be a spiritual awakening in our nation. It'll save our nation. And our nation will be able to finish... You know, finish strong instead of finish defeated, and that's really what the heart of the Lord is. I'm really convinced about it, and uh, so we got to quit hitting the snooze button. Here's a scripture, Second Timothy uh, chapter four, three through four. It says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires." Now that's really the issue we got to face: our own desires. Are we just wanting certain kinds of preachings and teachings? You know, just give me like the seven best ways to be a good Christian. That's what I want. No, nah, we don't want to hear about what the Bible actually says. The Spirit and the Bride say, "Come, get in the river." We don't want to hear that stuff. We want to hear this other stuff. Itching ears is what the Bible calls it. I'm serious because they have itching ears, and we, in our nation, has we we've got churches, and we are guilty of it of communicating this stuff just just for so people. Give them a thing to satisfy their natural instincts or natural selves, but nobody's lives are being changed. It doesn't change your life. Only the Holy Spirit can change a person's life. He's the most effective one. He's much more effective than us. What we dream of doing, we're seeing him do. I mean, what we're dreaming to see happen. I mean, literally, we wanted to see people's lives turned around. That was our passion. And then the Holy Spirit starts doing it. People completely completely changing, and it ain't teaching that does it. It's not your gifting that does it. It's Him. That's what He wants to do for people. He really has that hunger in His heart to do that, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, which literally in the Greek means mirages. You know what a mirage is? You're in desert. Oh, man, there's an oasis. That looks good. That's going to satisfy I me. Mean, you get there, and it's not there. It's a mirage. It's an illusion. And that's really what has happened a lot in our nation in a lot of churches. They're mirages. We are mirages. Lord, help us. Don't, we don't want to be that. Please have mercy on us. Please wake us up. Please wake us up, Lord. Please, we don't want to go to sleep, Lord. Please wake us up, yes. Lord. I must sleep. There's areas in my life I'm bound to be sleeping because you said I was. Please wake me up, please, Lord. Yes. This is one thing I felt like the Lord was showing me. You can take it either way you want to take it. But all the be yelling because I had people complaining. I mean, y'all are yelling this church. <laughs> y'all are the loudest church in the world. If you know, unless you went to my mama's church and she grew up in. She went into a church. there was a Baptist church called Primitive Baptist. And you could be out in the parking lot on the other side of the road over and hear them. <laughs> they, were wild. they were foot-washing Baptists. And they screamed from the time they walked in the door to the time they left. <laughs> so she'd come to our church. She didn't think anything about it, yelling and carrying on. You know what? All oh, y'all just got rambunctious in there. She was happy with it. But I understand what people say about the yelling, because I'm not a yelling kind of guy. Not normally, actually, I'm not. (laughs) Actually, I'm a pretty quiet guy around the house, okay? Just, But anyways, isn't that right? I yell when I got mad every once in a while. Anyways, when the yelling started here, I didn't care for it. I thought, man, what in the world? In fact, one person yelled at somebody. I said, I'm going to have to talk to him. I'm not going to put up with that yelling in church. I said, I actually said that until the person he yelled into their stomach was completely liberated in a moment's time. And now this whole person's whole family's been liberated. Over one year, I thought, well, I guess I ain't saying nothing. (laughs) If God's doing... But I think, this is what I was asking the Lord about. Lord, you know, it's almost like God, in the natural, with the yelling, is trying to get our attention because he's really trying to do something in the spirit right. He's trying to wake us up yeah. I don't condone yelling in church actually i don't condone it I mean honestly i really don't it's not my I would rather really not have yelling in the church, but if the Holy Spirit is using yelling to liberate people, then what in the world will I condone or not condone matters you know. <laughs> I'm just saying to you, God may be trying to give us a prophetic sign that He's trying to, in the natural, bring some noise to wake us up spiritually. Yeah. Now we did have the other night, a time Wednesday night, which was I was really enjoying of dead. I don't want to use dead because it wasn't dead. Of stone cold, so solid you could have heard somebody scratching their arm, and it was one of the Holy Spirit silences, and it was powerful. It was good. God is in the silence. Be still and know that I'm God. But he's also in the loudness. Shout. You know, we sang a song for years. Shout to the Lord. And then people start doing it. Everybody's mad.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Human
0: beings are just crazy. You, yeah. It's the
1: biggest
0: number one song in it, it is. It's anywhere. anywhere shout, to the shout to the Lord. We start shouting and everybody's mad. I mean, you, don't, you can't make people happy. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna. I mean, I get offended by stuff and constantly. God, and that's the way He is. He offends us. He really offends us. Well, we have to forget our own personal offense. I'm, what I'm looking for is what's He doing, and what, if he if it happens to be what He's doing it offends me, well, I'm just gonna to have to get over it, because I like the results. You hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. But know this: in the last days, perilous times will come. Um. This is one testimony. I know I'm just dragging this on, but I want to tell you, this was really blessed me Friday night at the SOS meeting. I was sitting there watching all the different people come in. You know, and not everybody, but the majority of people from our church came in. They were the happiest people in the room. They came in exuberant. They came in. You could tell these people, these were hungry people. If I wouldn't have known you, I'd have thought, these are some hungry people. I need to find out what's going on with these people. Because... The Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." Once you taste Him, you want more of Him. Yeah. You're not satisfied with just one a one-shot deal. Like, you know, let's go up and have one shot and move on with our life. No, I want more, Lord. I'm not. And so, people come in the door hungry, they come in the door excited. They come in. They didn't come in like we in the normal meeting mode. You know, they came in there looking for God. It was awesome. And that to me doesn't say a good thing. It doesn't say nothing about me. It doesn't say nothing about this church. It says something about him, about what he's doing. That's what you look for. These people are hungry. My goodness, that's wonderful. God's done something. God's done something. We need to rejoice in that. And we need to go one step further. We need to get more, Lord. We need more of it. We ain't got enough. This is, and this is what Paul said in Romans 13, 11 through 12. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You got that? Yes. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's cast off that. Let's say, Lord, bring a great awakening, so to speak, to river life. And when we got good, everybody, we got everybody here as wake as we're going to get them. Let's take it out. Let's take it out. If those guys just go down there to do a hike in South America, I will beat them senseless. (laughs) Go down there and take your hike. but On the hike, throw some of God out on those people. Take something with you. Please take God with you. Please do that. And, and spew him out over all those people who need Him because that's really all that's going to change them. God's not interested in having good preachers, good prayers, good anything. What God's interested in is people who are yielded to His Spirit who's willing to allow the Holy Spirit to, for them to get into the Spirit and the Spirit to get into them and it flow out of them. That's really all He wants. If He's got you like that, then you can turn the world upside down. God wants to bring a revival to the church. God wants to bring a great awakening to our, to our nation. Or our nation will just sink lower and lower and lower. And one day we'll pull up to the church door and we'll see a guy out there with a daggone shotgun. Guards like you do in other countries right now having to guard us with guns to keep, kill the people that's going to try to come here and, you know, get us. Because I saw that. I saw that. I had a dream, and I saw I was in a church that was taken over by our gang, and they had us trapped, and we couldn't get out. That's what the enemy has for the church in America. And when I was sitting there, I was thinking, it's too late. We can't get out. They're going to rape the women, and they're going to get, beat all the men up and get all their money. That's what I thought, and there's nothing we can do. Because they got guns and we don't, and they, you know, we're a helpless bunch. And then I heard Bob Jones speak a couple of weeks later about it. You know, anarchy in the streets of America. That spirit of Rwanda. That people went to bed one night, neighbors in Rwanda. They were neighbors. They were friends with each other. Next morning, they woke up and went to war with each other. And this is what they, some of the, te, the uh, uh, testimonies that came out of that is some neighbors who literally killed their neighbors, coated with their neighbor's blood, literally could not remember why they did it, could not explain why they had killed their neighbors. And it was a spirit that got on these people. And Bob was saying that same spirit wants to come to America and destroy this country. But we have an answer for that spirit. It's called the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If the church get on fire, there ain't no spirit that's going to come in and do that. It will yeah. burn them things away. Them things don't get around the fire because <laughs> they get it burns them up. That's why we need revival. Isn't that right?
1: Nothing
0: less. Yeah, nothing less. <laughs>
1: So we have an assignment, and that assignment is the Lord wants. There's the alarm. <laughs> All right, there's the alarm. Wake up. Wake up. That assignment is the Lord told us that He wants to create a place of His habitation in Mooresville, North Carolina. We're not being prideful or presumptuous about that. It's not that we're the only place, but He's given us as a body an assignment. He's given us 14 acres of land about 3 miles away from here. We're working on purchasing another 3 or 4 acres to go with that. And what the Lord has for us to do is, is a, the Father's house. Jesus said in John 14, I've gone to prepare a place for you. There's a place for you in the Father's home. Okay, And that place will be a place of revival and spiritual awakening to be a, a portal, if you will, Okay, a portal for the glory of God to come and for it to pour out. Now you say, well, why another building? Why not here? Because we don't have enough space here. We can't build more buildings here. And this place, we have a vision not only for a church. A church will be a part of it. It will be the center of the ministry. But there will also be, we've got a school connected here. We'll also have prayer centers. We may have houses where missionaries that are on sabbatical or in between where they're going will be able to stay there. There may be a place for people involved in the arts or whatever. So people that are preachers and teachers and that sort of thing in ministry can also have provision, but all those, also those who are electricians or plumbers or you know whatever. The, the, the Lord would actually provide a place of employment in and through the Father's house, ministry, whatever it becomes called. That's what Byron's talking about. The only way that's going to happen is if we wake up. Because, see, the, God has not called the government to be our provision. God's called us. Everybody say me. That is you and that is me. He's called us to be a light, to be the salt and the light in this world today. And if you remember what happened with Hurricane Katrina, the government didn't help those people or couldn't help those people, whatever the case is. Do you know who helped those people and is still helping those people today? The church, Right? Okay, do not be asleep so much that we think that a Hurricane Katrina or what something else couldn't happen in our community. Let me tell you, it could happen by the grace and protection of God. It won't, but we're not exempt. So we have to wake up. We have to wake up, and what Byron and we've been, Andy talked about worship, a father, the Father's house is a place of prayer, It's a place of worship, It's a place of healing. It's a place where the river can flow, but you know what? It has to be flexible. It has to say, you know what? I'm going to get low. I'm going to be humble because today God might use me up here, but He might use you tomorrow. I'm good with that. Let's be flexible. It's not about Byron Wicker Ministries. You know, it's not about one person getting up here and doing all the ministry. I'm not coming against anybody that's doing that because the Lord is using that. If you, under, if you can follow me here, what I'm saying is the Lord wants to use every single person. And that's what's happening at Lee Park. That's why we're sending the common man down to Argentina. You know, you name it. God. isn't that exciting? It's been prophesied and God's doing it. So wake up, rise up, and take your place. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You're doing this thing. Lord, we thank You that You are bringing a a spiritual awakening to our community, Lord. To our our towns, our cities, Lord God. To to even Atlanta, Georgia, Lord. Lord, that You're bringing it, God, to, to the whole United States of America. Lord, the voice of the prophets are crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. God's coming. Wake up, church! Wake up! Get ready. God's on the move. Join in what God's doing. That's what the prophets are saying right now. So I want you to, I just want to get real serious with God right now. And I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to say, Lord, show me how I'm asleep. Show me the places in my life that are in slumber right now. God, raise me up to watch and pray, Lord. I want to watch and pray, God, and I just confess to you, God, I've been asleep, Lord. I'm asleep, God. Whatever that is. Mm. There's a lot of people that, God, are waking up. And honestly, there's nothing prideful about that. But if you're here right now, if you want to just come forward... And you say, you know what? There is a lot of areas of slumber in my life. I need the Lord to just wake me up. If you just come humbly up here, we just want to believe God with you. Because like Byron said, he's talking about himself. I'm talking about me. We all need to be woken up. So coming up here is not like putting yourself down. It's just saying, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. So I just invite you to come up now, right now and receive... Receive. Let the Lord just touch it. And I want to say this. If you are physically sick or oppressed at all in here this morning, I want you to come right over here where this screen is. And I'm going to be over there and a couple other people over there to pray for physical healing. This is a part of what God is doing. God is healing people, setting you free from illnesses. Amen.